Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. With me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I am a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and aspiring theology professor. Thank you all so much for joining us wherever you might find yourself at this moment. I hope you're enjoying maybe a steaming cup of tea or your drive or feeling productive as you tick off a few items from your to-do list. I know I'm not the only one that likes to listen to a podcast while I do my chores. (laughs) Um, Before we get started, Jessica, how was your week? What's going on in Jessica land? Jessica land. (laughs) Um, it's become like our terminology. I love it. Uh, (laughs) I have been away from my home, unfortunately. Um, unfortunately meaning I'm not, not like traveling for fun. Um, I had mentioned the leak that we had in our condo and, um, it's been a little bit longer than we would have liked in terms of Mm. getting it all fixed up and, and, uh, the necessary renovation that comes along with that, but thankfully heading home today and just really looking forward to getting back into normal rhythms. So it's, it's been a bit of a day at a time, kind of a week, but really just mm. trusting, I mean, God's grace to uphold me through, through the ups and downs. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, um, good to find, find joy and delight in the little things like, um, going for walks and enjoying the crisp fall air yesterday kind of a crazy storm here so it was just neat to watch it roll in and the colors in the sky so um it's definitely been a hard week but also trying to find find those glimpses of hope and beauty in the midst of it Uh, I think that's what life is all about (laughs) is finding these little glimpses and slivers of hope and beauty I think we we really often want our days and our weeks to be kind of just hopeful and beautiful all around. And I guess we don't always get that, but it's so powerful to find those little slivers. Um, This week for me is actually kind of similarly to you. I was out of my rhythm, but it was actually good for me because I, I had to get up super, super early this week for work. And I am not naturally an early riser. And I know all the moms out there are smirking because just watch me one day have an early (laughs) riser child. Um, but I had to get up pretty early and be out of the house by like five or five 30 or something and, um, and catch a van to work. And it was about an hour ride. And so I had like a little bit of time to use up and a really big part of me just wanted to you know, look at my phone, maybe get some work done that I had to do, or even like play a word game, just kind of wake myself up. But um, I I chose instead to look out at the sunrise because I typically don't get to see the sunrise. It's up before I am. Um, and it honestly set me up for the day, having that time to just watch the sky 
light up and just look like a painting and take time the first thing in the morning to reflect and center myself and pray, it really affected my entire day. And I, I want to encourage everyone out there before we go ahead and hop into the letter for this week. If you are like me and would always rather stay in bed for just even five more minutes, I would want to encourage you to get up and watch the sunrise this week, even just once. Um, and for those who are already early risers to just stop and actually take it in this time instead of um, just having a busy kind of frenzied morning. So that's that was my little tidbit this week. <laughs> a wonderful piece of advice. Yeah, it's so true. I am that morning lark who loves getting up early, but like mm. you said, sometimes we don't take the opportunity to get outside and find the sunrise. It might be rising yeah. and we're just inside and our, our windows don't face that direction or something, but it can be so grounding mm -hmm. um, to, to wake up with the world as it wakes up. It's a beautiful yeah. way to start the day. It truly, truly is. I'm so glad I had that moment. So I hope some of you will have that moment as well this week. All right, let's move on to our letter for the day. It covers the subject of figuring out the right path in life and how to or if we should pursue our passions. So here we go. Dear Wallflower, I recently finished high school and I'm looking at the rest of my life. I have a lot of things I want to do and accomplish. My parents want me to go into economics like my dad and his dad did. And while I'm good at it, I'm really not passionate about it. I've always had a love for illustration, like for children's books and things like that. People have told me I'm naturally talented at it and I want to pursue it, but I'm scared of failing or not making money or disappointing my parents. And I wouldn't even know the first thing about getting into that industry. So how should I pursue this dream that I've always had? Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. So should I pursue this dream that I've always had or do what my family thinks would be better and give me a more stable future? Signed, a desperate dreamer. Wow, I think we've all been there kind of, you know, looking at the at the next decades of our life as we finish up high school or college and wondering, what am I supposed to do? Which path am I supposed to take? Um, so Jessica, what are your thoughts for our desperate dreamer here? Yes, I first want to acknowledge that there may be a false dichotomy here and mm. an either or that may or not need to hold. Absolutely. So while I don't want to glibly tell her to follow her passion, I also don't want to tell her to ignore what she loves. Um, in fact, what I'm wondering is if there's a way that she could potentially wisely pursue stability while also having the opportunity to dip her toe into the world of illustration. Mm. So I'll start by addressing um, the follow your passion bit. Cal Newport, who has offered several terrific books, um, first published a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And in this book, he challenges the, quote, career advice so frequently given to young people today, which is basically, find the job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Hmm. Uh, and the even shorter version of that is something that we all know too well. <laughs> follow your passion. Yeah. So what Newport <laughs> has noticed is that so many young adults go to college, they enter the workforce and spend years trying to find something that they're passionate about. Um, so many with no success, but others who perhaps, you know, 
what we might say, you know, they give up on finding their dream job, um, may end up quite happy in a job that they had not necessarily imagined enjoying to such yeah. an extent. So in essence, his point is that we have the equation backward. He suggests that if we get good at something, uh, we can develop an enjoyment for it. And as we continue to hone our skills and excel in our field, we'll become non-ignorable. And this level of acknowledgement in our company or our field can then provide us with opportunities to say yes or, or no to different things that we may value, such mm. as work and life balance, side gigs, hobbies, et cetera, so that we can have more of what we love and are passionate about, even if it's not necessarily core to our work. Now, as much as I appreciate and agree with that advice, I also realize that some people really do have a good sense of the work that they would love and, and, and end up pursuing that successfully. So I think it's wise to bear both of those in mind, to hold them in tension while discerning a sensible path forward. Um, I think there's great wisdom in preparing oneself for work that is stable. Uh, there's also an understandable, and I believe a good, pull to do something that we love. Mm -hmm. uh, working a job is far more sustainable when we enjoy it. Cal Newport is arguing that you can get good at something and develop an enjoyment for it. Uh, there is also the possibility of pursuing your dream job successfully, but I think seeking to do so um, must be done wisely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, offer, I'll offer some practical ideas for discerning a sensible path forward. <laughs> While it may not be possible to have the best of both worlds in the sense of having it all, mm -hmm. so to speak, to the same degree at least, um, you might see that you can pursue each in a way that is fitting, meaning preparing for stability while also exploring options of that dream job area. So if you're planning to go to college, you might be able to major in something that is broad enough to give you an array of career options while also perhaps minoring in something that will help you to explore the possibilities of working in something that you already enjoy doing. So as you consider what these fields may be, I highly recommend either or both job shadowing mm. and conducting informational interviews. So if you have a particular job field or major in mind as a possible career path, um, I'd say don't choose a major and perhaps don't even choose a school until you've had the opportunity to vet your ideas through talking with people who already work in that arena. Um, if you're thinking about an option towards stability, and I'm speaking specifically to our desperate dreamer here, um, economics, business, communications, um, majors like this that are broad can have um, a broad swath of job options available after graduation. I think especially if um, students get internships or gain some kind of work experience prior to graduation. Yeah. So talk, talking with folks who've majored in these larger, broader fields about what jobs they ended up in can uh, be a great way of giving you an idea of the diversity of options that are out there. I think sometimes those things can sound very dry to us and we think, oh, I don't want to work in economics or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but at the same time, we might find that someone you talk to is like, well, I didn't think so either, but that's true. Then I got into the field or I found this job with this particular company. Like sometimes it's not as much about the job and it's more about the fit with the company. So there's just a mm. lot of things to consider. So um, often we don't even know what we might enjoy as far as a job goes because we don't even know that a certain thing exists. And so yeah. again, asking people who are out there in the real world doing those jobs can be a great way of getting some insight. And I would say the same goes for illustration. You know, talk to folks who work in that sphere beyond um, simply asking them about their general experience in, in their, their jobs. 
I think you'll want to also ask questions to help you determine the viability of that as a potential career path. Mm. So I would say first, ask how they got there. Thus, you know, what, what's the path to that job? Uh, what does it require? Maybe if there's particular schooling or um, prior experience, the whole idea of, you know, must have experience in this field. Like, well, how do I get that experience? So no, yeah. you know, how to get there. Second, I would ask what their sense of the job market is. So is the job market growing? Is it shrinking? Are, are these jobs in demand or are they particularly difficult to get? I think that's something very important to have in mind for something very specialized like illustration. Yeah. Um, third, I would ask what the potential earnings are. I mean, while I don't want to just be focused <laughs> merely on money, like this is not the main value, um, you do have to make a living in the world. And, you know, that's just something wise to consider as you think through what am I willing to sacrifice? You know, if I maybe I'm willing to live somewhere where the cost of living is a lot lower, and but I'm not as close to some of the things that would be in a place where the cost of living is higher and I'm, I'm okay with that to take a pay cut, et cetera, yeah, to, yeah. To, to follow my dream, whatever that is. Um, and then finally, I would say, find out um, through your, you know this informational interview, find out more about the context of that job field, if it has anything specific to be aware of. So I'm thinking about, um, obviously about you, Kelia, as a, an actress, but also <laughs> um, like I think about musicians. So many musicians and the people in the recording industry, mm. at least to my understanding, um, live in or near Nashville. And yeah. I've heard that the hours that they are, uh, that they're awake <laughs> and the hours that they work <laughs> are far later than what I would be, um, okay with on a daily basis. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm a morning lark and I fancy that those that work in Nashville, um, in the music scene in particular need to adapt to being night owls if they aren't already. So, yeah. you know, if, if, if illustration might require, maybe not require, but say, you know, it's a lot easier to land jobs if you're living in this, this or that city, or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe a lot of, especially because things are going remote so much lately. Again, I don't, I'm not this in this field. So ask someone who knows. Um, one particular thought is um, if our desperate dreamer friend here decides to pursue something broader and perhaps more stable as her primary path, I think she could still pursue her passion for illustration on the side. Mm -hmm. perhaps she could minor in arts or at least take an art class or two and that would help her gain and hone skills that she'd need and she might consider a course related to publishing if that's offered um again don't quote me just cite some ideas find <laughs> find that specific person to talk to um but something that i think should not be underestimated is that sometimes we don't get to do the things we most love as our jobs or as our main sources of income and yeah. that's okay that's okay. Yeah. She may very well get the opportunity to illustrate for children's books. And if she eventually becomes really successful, maybe it could be a full-time job. But I want all of us to recognize that we don't need to have an all or nothing approach. As much as we've been trained to follow our passions, not all passions can earn a living wage, at least mm -hmm. not right away, or maybe not as probabilistically. So I would say mm -hmm. to a, des a desperate dreamer, as you try to find people to talk to who work in the illustration world, see if you can find both full-time and part-time folks to talk to. Some might be uh, working on a freelance or a contract basis. I think this will pre uh, present more of the spectrum of possibility, Yeah, what she might be able to consider. And I will close off my advice by saying college is such a fun time. 
Um, and not for the reasons that I think media tends to portray, like partying. Like, that was not at all a part of my experience. And I just, I loved college. You know, I didn't have to have, have those aspects. Um, it is a time to learn and experience so much. Our desperate dreamer friend admits that she has a lot of things she wants to do and accomplish. And that's so natural. Uh, for mm. any of us, really, but especially for those that are on the cusp of graduating or have just graduated from high school or leaving home for the first time, starting out on a journey into the big wide world. It is such an exciting time, full of possibility and potential. I would encourage her to try lots of things, but also to have a general path in mind that will enable her to make a living. Mm. Overall, don't be afraid to pursue what you love, but do so in a wise way. That is, do your research. Ask those who've gone before you, know what it takes, and count the cost. Mm. And if you are a person of faith, certainly be prayerful about the journey. Uh, that perhaps is the most important advice that I can give. Yeah, that is such good advice. And I, I think you focused a lot on, you know, talking to people that that would that are already in this field, both fields. I think that's such a good idea because you you really do need to carve out a, a true understanding of what this life really looks like. Like you talked about talking to musicians working in Nashville, you know, the idea of illustrating is really beautiful, but would that actually fit into your lifestyle? What is expected of um, illustrators and also your idea of pursuing it on the side. I mean, I know so many people who have Etsy stores that that is not their main source of income. They have a day-to-day -day job and yet they're really happy uh, putting up art on Etsy and, and making it for, for people to enjoy. So I think that's really, really wonderful advice. And sometimes uh, the idea that um, if we turn our, our passion into a job, sometimes it's actually not as fun. Like, you know, yeah. like, that's just I'm not, that's not, you know, it's not a formula. It's not the same answer for everyone. Um, but just being aware that, I don't know, there can be things that come along with the requirements of, of what it looks like to do a certain thing full time that you yeah. might look at that and think, you know what, I'd rather just do that for like five hours a week on my own It's true. You know, time, whether or not it makes me money or, you know, it's like, if the thing is life-giving, find out what ways it would be most life-giving. Exactly. That's so true. Sometimes a passion, once you turn it into a source of income, it can lose its magic. So that's definitely something to think, to think about. Um, so I want to first encourage our desperate dreamer to not get overwhelmed with feeling like you have to make a decision immediately and just white-knuckle your way through it. Um, when I was, when I think back to who I was, when I was just out of high school, I was really, really different. And the path that I might've chosen for myself at that time is really different from where I'm focusing my energy today, you know, eight years down the line. So just keep this in mind as you go about making bigger decisions. And I also want to reiterate what Jessica said, this is a really exciting time because there are so many different directions you can choose to pursue right now and to have options in front of you is a really wonderful place to be in so don't feel like it's a stressful place to be in see it as a blessing this is a beautiful time in your life um so you mentioned 
in your letter that your parents are encouraging you to follow in your dad's footsteps career-wise. And I can understand that this might feel like you are being put in a box or like they're attempting to pressure you to make a specific decision. And that can be really frustrating, especially when you feel like what you really want isn't being treated as important or valuable. And I want to encourage you to see this as a caring act on their part, because the likelihood is that they just want you to be okay. They want you to be secure and forge a path that they have seen work and make sense. So essentially, I, I just want you to make sure that you aren't not going into economics because you feel like you're being forced into it. If you reframe it in your mind and you know reassess how you actually feel about it, um, because honestly, you also admitted that that you're good at it, and. I think that's a really incredible thing to be good at. <laughs> uh, not many people are good at economics and like I am not. And, and there have many times in my life when I wish that was my gifting or I could have been a doctor or a lawyer, you know, something that just was a little more stable. So just try to reframe it in your mind and see how you actually feel about it when you take that pressure um, from your family away. But um, that being said, I do think it's incredibly important to love what you do, especially for certain personality types. I think some people are probably more okay with going to work in order to afford a life outside of it that they like. And for these individuals, their work really doesn't define them as much. But there are others that really desire to feel meaning in their work. And it sounds like you might fall into that category. So um, while making money and having stability are really important to consider while you're carving out a life path, I also don't think you ought to give quite as much consideration to what you think would be disappointing your parents, because the likelihood is that if you're happy and successful and are doing well in your career and you love what you're doing, they're not going to be upset about that. So just try to take that off of your mind. But here's the thing. I, I'm all for following passions. <laughs> I say this as someone who's living in New York and acting and writing, which are obviously not incredibly stable. You're either <laughs> really successful or really not successful in this field. So uh, I do think it's also important while you follow passions to follow your skill set. Because I think we've all seen that American Idol audition where someone said that singing is their passion. And then the second they open their mouth to sing, it's just very clear that they do not have a talent for it, nor a future in music. So yes, pursuing your dreams is a beautiful thing. And I think you should also pursue what you are really, really good at. Because I, as Jessica said, when you were really good at something and you find not notoriety, but you, you find success in something, you can start to really love it because it does give you meaning being so gifted with something. I think another thought I have is have a plan B if you do choose to go into a creative field or at least a plan A and a half. And what I mean is, it's really helpful if you choose to pursue art 
which is really beautiful. And, and if that is truly where you are being led, pursue it. But I think it's helpful to build up a portfolio that covers more than what I would imagine is a very, very small niche market when it comes to, you know, illustrating children's books. So um, if you do choose art, I would suggest finding ways to broaden what you think you could be happy doing in that field. Illustrating children's books is a really lovely thing to pursue, but I do think it would be prudent to consider other art avenues you could pursue as well. So just widening your skills in art, should you pursue that, it will make for a passion that can be lucrative as well. And you might even discover something that you love just as much as illustrating. So this is just kind of the life of a creative is you can't, or a lot of times, unless, you know, unless you were very lucky and, and, and you had, um, you know, doors opened for you when you were really young and, and maybe your, your parents were already in this field, you kind of have to come up with a few streams of income and, and creative outlets that could make you happy, I think. But ultimately, I, I really agree with Jessica, talking to individuals who've pursued this path is probably the most helpful thing for you right now. And that is that that even means like reaching out to artists that you come across online or social media and just asking for the opportunity to pick their brain just a little bit because you might be surprised um first of all at how willing they are to talk you know and 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 help someone young and and just trying to figure out their path but also what you find out about illustrating or economics if you decide to also just ask someone who isn't your dad about economics and and kind of outsource that a little bit um but again i i do want to wrap this up by saying don't stress because life does take you in directions that you didn't see coming so don't feel like you have to make every single decision right now and completely stick to it. You have a little bit of time to figure out your path and to figure out what makes sense for you, what makes you happy, and what makes your your life feel satisfying and fulfilling to you. So I hope I hope that was helpful. And thank you, Desperate Dreamer, for sending in this letter. I know a lot of people have found themselves there, and probably a lot of people are still there themselves. So now I would like to pivot into our section of the podcast called May We Suggest, where we suggest the things that we have been enjoying this week, whether they are books or movies or food or something that we've been wearing or just anything that gave us a little bit of a glimpse of hope, as Jessica said earlier in the podcast. So Jessica, what is your recommendation this week? Well, since I can't recommend um to all of our listeners the bakery that i've been talking about for, <laughs> it seems like weeks like last week and this week because yes. now that we're, i'm since i'm i've, I've been uh, taking refuge at my in-laws i've been going to the bakery a little more frequently than i would get to since you can't go there um i will recommend a lovely book that came to mind is something that i've returned to several times um and I think it just feels so relevant to this podcast too. Anyone who is in a space of 
um, transition, particularly early in life. I mean, this is, I would recommend this to anyone in high school in in college and even out, out of college, it's a young, young adulthood. Um, it's a book called Unseduced and mm. Unshaken by Rosalie De Rose. Her last name is D-E space R-O-S-S-E-T. And the subtitle I love is The Place of Dignity in a Woman's Choices. Mm. So Rosalie De Rose is a professor at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And she, um, I don't know her personally, but my cousin went to school there and had her as a professor. She just sounds like one of the most lovely human beings. Like you would just want to get coffee mm. or tea with her and just pick her brain. Um, she knows a lot about literature and uh, draws from just her knowledge of of theology and English literature and so many different other fields in um, has a couple of co, uh, co-writers, uh, other chapter authors in here as well, but it's just a lot of different things to help women, young women find their footing in the world and particularly mm. in wanting to live in a strong, um, set apart way that is a beacon of light in a world of darkness, you know, especially when, when so much that's coming against us in the media is, is shouting different messages yeah um, it's it's just such a a wonderful thing to help her help uh young women find their footing like I was just thinking about reading off a couple of the the cha- uh, chapter titles but yeah like one of the one of them is uh finding your voice knowing and being known mm-hmm. um, longing from disparity to desire and one of my favorite is is she talks about literature um reading as a spiritual exercise. So anyway, I won't get into too much more detail, but Unseduced and Unshaken, a lovely book for young women. That sounds like a book every single young woman needs to read. Probably a rite of passage kind of thing. (laughs) Yes. Like, okay, on your 18th birthday, we give you this book, you know, (laughs) that's, that's a wonderful suggestion. I am suggesting this week a movie that I think is just so incredibly perfect for this time of year. And that movie is Anne of Green Gables. I'm talking about the version from the 1980s. Yes, it can follows. Yeah, (laughs) it is pretty old, but it is just it's one of the most wonderful whimsical beautiful movies I think I've ever seen and it's pretty long I will Mm -hmm. say so it can definitely like be cut in half and you know watch two hours on Saturday and two hours on Sunday yeah it's really that long the friend that showed it to me I went over to her house I was not expecting that and so we were sitting there and I was like, I love this, but this is quite long. And she was like, yeah, this is my sick movie when I was a kid. Like it would just take up, you know, my waking hours when I was, when I was not well. And um, I think that's just like one of the most perfect sick movies. But anyway, it's, it's probably one of the only movies that has stayed really true to the book and actually captured the spirit like perfectly in my opinion. And so if you feel like falling in love with Anne Shirley all over again, yes, it's, it's where you need to go. Everyone is so perfectly cast. I've never seen a more perfect Anne Gilbert Blythe, Marilla. Everyone is just, just cast so sublimely. So please, if you're looking, 
It's so great. Yes. If you are looking for a really heartwarming, family-friendly marathon, movie marathon (laughs) for this weekend, definitely, definitely try out Anne of Green Gables from the 1980s. And before we go, Jessica, just to wrap up this podcast, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you're up to? Sure. Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Lovely. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials. I'm definitely most active on Instagram at Kelia.Clarkson. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from any of you. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal. We have new articles coming out every single week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.